Welcome to the Slow Living Collective podcast. I'm Amy, wife, mother of two and homemaker. Come along with me as I share my love for simple living, growing in my allotment garden, diving into what it means to be an urban homesteader and embracing life as a mother and homemaker. Welcome back to another episode of the Slow Living Collective podcast. Today we have a special guest joining us and that's Becky from Our Nurtured Life. Becky is a busy business owner and mother who has embarked on a beautiful journey of embracing slow living and she believes in creating a life filled with intention, mindfulness and balance even in the midst of a hectic schedule. So in this episode we'll dive into the topic of slow living as a busy business owner and mother and explore how Becky has integrated these principles into her own life and also the profound impact it has had on her overall well-being. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or water or whatever the tipple of your choice is, find a comfy spot and get ready to be inspired by Becky's wisdom and insights on navigating the busy yet rewarding journey of motherhood, being a busy business owner and all the while embracing the power of slow living. So before we get into it, do you want to introduce yourself to everyone, tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Thanks, Amy. Yep, I'm Becky. I live in Winchester in Hampshire and I am a mummy to one little boy called Edward, who is three. And um, I run a company called The Charity Spark. So we work with charities and nonprofits across the UK to help them evaluate what they do. And that means that they are able to prove that they do what they say they do and then use that insight to generate more money um, and effective uh, strategy for their future. That sounds amazing. That does sound incredible. And it's your own business, am I right? Yeah, that's right. So I set it up in 2019. Um, well, the um, the inspiration for it was I was working as a fundraiser um, and as a development manager. So in a development manager role in a charity, um, you're responsible for the income generation, you're responsible for the evaluation, often the program development with the sort of frontline staff. And I loved working in the charity sector, but I was um, married, uh, fairly newly married and was thinking, we were thinking about family time and family life. And I um, didn't know what I wanted to do post children, but I knew that um, freelancing in the charity sector could be an option uh, post baby and then my husband and I were on a very belated honeymoon because he was in the navy at the time and they'd only given him the weekend off for the wedding so <laughs> we went on honeymoon a few months later and um I was sat in you know it, you know in this amazing place and I was saying I just think I'm gonna really enjoy freelancing um but I just don't know what this is going to look like and how long it's going to take us to conceive and all these things and my husband said just go for it now you know we don't know how long these things are going to take we you know you this could be just a pipe dream that you hold on to for years and years so why don't you just go for it and I recognized that we were enormously privileged because we could afford for me to take that leap because um we could live on my husband's salary um so I came back handed my notice in <laughs> <laughs> um actually there was one step before I basically said you know if I can get one or two clients lined up pre-handing my notice in, I'll feel much more comfortable so I started talking to people who knew me in the sector and um a couple of people came back and said if you're serious then we've got some work for you so I gave my notice and jumped in both feet first into what was named the charity spark and initially it was just me a real traditional sort of freelancer role working for a few different clients and um, different charities 
And then I found out I was pregnant with Edward and I thought, oh, well, okay, that was quicker than we thought. We'd been trying for a little while, actually, so that the process hadn't been quick, but the realisation, I wasn't expecting it to be quick once I'd actually started the business because it had taken that long so far to get to the point um, that we weren't pregnant. And that's why my husband was like, well, look, we just don't know what this journey is going to be like. Um, it's already not quite the journey we'd expected. So it was a real surprise to then find out I was pregnant naturally a week before our fertility clinic. <laughs> but that was a huge gift. So there I was going, okay, well, I'm going to do this for the first, you know, 10 months of um, running a business. And then I went on maternity leave, which was February 2020. And we all know what <laughs> happened five weeks later. <laughs> I came off maternity leave in March 2020 and it was like I'm back to nothing <laughs> exactly it was not quite what you expected I'm sure and it certainly wasn't the maternity leave I was expecting no I can imagine but you know there we go but it did give me the opportunity to think and um, when I came back I changed the business model slightly and we've now got staff members <laughs> fantastic so today we're going to talk about slow living what that looks like for you and you know how slowing down um, and living a bit more simply can really be applied to everybody in every situation because I think there is you know this misconception that you know we can't have everything right that we can't have a career and still live a slow and simple life that they don't quite mesh together um and you know I talk a lot on this podcast particularly about you know being more of a homemaker and a stay-at-home mother first and foremost which is something that I you know I came from a freelance background as well and for me I felt after the birth of my son when that sort of period of maternity leave had ended, I felt really uncomfortable. Like I didn't know where I sat because I knew I wasn't going to go back to what I did. And so, yeah, I just had to sit with being really uncomfortable for a while because I just didn't, I just didn't know what I wanted. But yeah, so I'm really excited to hear what your perspective on slow living, because obviously mine at the moment is predominantly you know homemaking and being that stay-at-home parent you know I'm going to home educate my children and so you know you're you have a different perspective you know you're you're running a successful business and I'm really excited to like dive into it with you so like I said I think there can be uh the assumption that living slowly or simply is just doing things at a a bit of a slower speed <laughs> whereas I guess I prefer to think a bit more about just being mindful with the tasks that I'm doing um, the things that I either do or maybe some things that I just opt not to do that they just don't fit um, and you know finding the things that I find are important and things that aren't so how would you describe what slow and simple living means to you? It's such a good question and I probably feel slightly like a fraud at the moment because I don't feel like life is particularly slow in the last couple of months but I have a yearning for it to be and that's what I always sort of would would say is that I feel like it's a soul direction so I um mindfulness is really I think that's a really key thing for me it's like the way that I do things um but also for me it's about simplicity and trying to find a pathway that feels like it's fueling me and giving me energy rather than just being you know a list of things I need to get done and I think 
in the interest of transparency, probably right now, I'm coming out of a burnout period and I'm trying to rebalance um, because I didn't get it right over the last few months. And I think that's partly because I've been working actually more like full time hours, probably more than full time hours and desperately needed the backup in the business. And I am a bit of a workaholic, so left unchecked. I'll just keep going. Um, but I think that what's really important to me about sort of slow or simple living is about finding the joy in things that perhaps are something that can pro provide you with like I said like that energy um, a bit of direction and for me it's connection to something so you know I really love creating I love creating whether that's in the kitchen or the garden or crafting or doing something like you said sort of homemaking that really does invigorate me and it makes me feel calmer and like I have a purpose and I think the periods of my life where I've been happiest and some of my kind of happiest core memories are rooted in creating often in a very simple way from scratch and also um, typically with people who really really value that as well um, so I don't think that's very succinct answer, <laughs> but um, I do think it it can sit alongside a work life and um, a busy family life. But I have to be really, really careful about holding space for that and actually putting boundaries in it um, around it. And, and I, I haven't been great at that the last few months. Um, and that does affect my mental health as well as my energy levels. Yeah, and you know, you saying that brings up a you know a really good point that sometimes you know we don't always get it right either. You know, yeah. sometimes you know sometimes you might find me in the kitchen and like you know somebody like casually glancing my Instagram might be like, look at Amy, she's baking her sourdough, she's making this, she's making that, and sometimes you know what I'm sitting like a slug on my sofa, and you know I'm just not in the zone. <laughs> And I don't feel like, like you say, I, I don't have that connection and it's just like refinding that and, you know, I don't always get it right and we don't always get it right. And if it doesn't bring you joy, then I think it's missing the point. And yeah. I don't mean that in a kind of Marie Kondo way. I just mean yeah. that if you feel like your pursuit of slow living and simple living is just um, really painful and really hard work, then is it? Is, you know have you got the right things in order have you got the right tools and resources right now I have no sourdough starter on the go because I realized that I was so stressed about maintaining my healthy sourdough starter and then baking with it and not creating waste because something that's really important to me as part of my journey in slow living and simple living is about our sustainability as a family but do you know, if I'm trying to pursue sourdough making and I haven't got the routine for it at the moment and I'm then wasting loads of sourdough starter because I'm not making the, the kind of bread. And then you think, is this, that's just really kind of counterintuitive. And I think, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but that thing about, you know, Instagram and, and other, even blogs, and, you know, these are people's highlights, really. Yeah, absolutely. These absolutely. are things they want to put out. And so, yeah. um, to, you know, absolutely do these things if they bring you joy, if they bring you energy, and if it's the right thing for you and your family, but don't feel beholden to it because then it's no better than a job. 
yes absolutely in terms of sourdough as an example as well um my sourdough starter is currently dead <laughs> um we and can I'm, all be honest about killing sourdough yeah. I was talking to my husband yesterday in the car and we were listening to um, another podcast that I listened to and I put it on while we were driving and it was talking about like sourdough and homesteading and I was like you know I just said to him I don't know like I love making sourdough like things out of the discard like that's easy for me to you know have a bit of an active starter make some sourdough discard crackers make you know chuck it in some pancakes chuck it in some waffles I don't have the time uh to be like stretching and folding dough and you know having to think 18 hours before I want to bake a loaf of I just I don't have it's too much of a mental load combined with all of the other things and it's like like you say if it's not going to serve you then you know is it that important because you know what other bread is available and it's fine <laughs> yeah literally and actually a quick loaf of bread which my granny taught me to do which does still need time to be kneaded and you know risen things but it's just a little bit more low maintenance yeah <laughs> um, and it's so, still so free of all the nasties it's still free of like you know the sugar and and things and actually that's a really beautiful loaf of bread and it and you know and, and I think um yeah I I really agree I think do it if you love it do it if it's if it's bringing you joy and if it's adding something to your day but if it's just another thing to put on the list of things you need to achieve by bedtime yeah that's yeah. not slow living it's not and it's stressful you know there's been times where I've been I've already been in bed I fed my son to sleep I'm about to go to sleep myself and I'm like oh I haven't fed the sourdough starter I have to get up I have to find my glasses I have to get down there and you know what then that becomes stressful so yeah yeah, you know it's it's not the be all and it's sourdough isn't the be all and end all of slow living you can you can live a slow and simple life without sourdough bread and if you do enjoy it fine but yeah I'm you know I we have a bread maker and I love just chucking the ingredients in let before I go to bed let it do its thing and then there's a loaf of bread in the morning and I don't do it every day um I think um there's a tool that I often use with some of my clients I know this sounds really kind of jargony but it's the five whys and I think when I started to think about where the rebalance needed to happen in my life and how I could get more back to a life which cherished the slow and simple living elements it was the five whys and it's basically saying let's you know um take anything for example like baking bread um it doesn't necessarily have to be sad baking bread and say but why why do you want to bake a loaf and then the answer might be um because I enjoy the process but why oh because it's important to me but why and you ask why five times and normally you get to the core reason for doing it and and it's sort of that theory of saying well just keep testing that so for me baking bread is something that I find quite therapeutic I like the fact that I'm able to provide for my family something that is um you know has been done for generations but also is actually so much better for them than what is I can purchase in the shops um and if that's my core why about health and well-being and also passing on heritage traditions and things like that that's a really good reason for doing it and it's okay if all I do then is once a month bake a load of loaves that go in the freezer and that's because that's actually having the same impact so I found like 
part of my you know the last month or so really thinking about what is it that I cherish and what is it about slow and simple living that I want to embed in our family and to um to really kind of reinvest in in how I love to live and sometimes it's about finding ways of doing that that's going to serve that real core why so feeling like I'm providing something really nourishing for my family but also doing it in a modern way which says do you know what actually it's going to be more time efficient for me to do this in one day and fill the freezer up yes I'm still going to feel the same about bringing that loaf of bread out of the freezer um, but I'm not going to feel the pressure of trying to do it every day. Um, so I know it's like a bit of a kind of jargon thing, but I actually find that quite useful when I'm trying to be introspective into what is it I actually want to be doing. Yeah. And, you know, in the modern world, we have busy lives and, you know, it's it's OK not to be, you know, baking bread every day. Like I certainly couldn't find time to bake no. bread every day. And sometimes sometimes I buy it from the supermarket when it's necessary (laughs) yeah and that's okay too we're just doing our best that's all we can do and and what's that phrase um you know we don't need everybody to be perfect we need 100 people to be imperfect but having the same mindset and you know that's a big one in sustainability and for me that's something else that slow and simple living is about it's about trying to be more low impact and trying to um kind of help our family to live a really like nourished life um, I've also been reading lots about the kind of protection of child mental health and about how um, I don't know if you find this, but, you know, I'm 33. So in my teenage years, I started school, secondary school in 2000 and um, we didn't have MSN Messenger <laughs> in 2000. <laughs> but a couple of years later, we did. And then we had MySpace and then we had Facebook. I don't think I got until I was 18. So about 2007. Um, but life had got noisier and noisier and noisier. And some of the things that I cherished the most from my childhood were every Sunday, my dad, who's an amazing cook, both my parents are brilliant cooks, but my dad was a cook for leisure. My mum always said, you know, she had to cook because she needed to feed the children. Yeah. <laughs> my dad, so on a Sunday, he would, we'd be in the kitchen with him. We'd be helping the roast dinner. We'd be making puddings. We'd be baking and we would go to my granny and granddad's house where there was a little orchard and we would get apples and all of my kind of most favorite childhood memories are around creating these like family meals and learning how to do things in a really traditional way and sewing and knitting and I know that sounds so cliched but I was thinking about what I want my child's childhood to be like and then I was reading about the protecting them from like digital noise and you know we're really really aware of screen time and the, the the impact that that can have on a a growing brain um and I'm the first to say that Thomas the Tank Engine is a massive favorite in our house as is Fyman Sam Fyman Sam here Fyman Sam sometimes parents Fyman Sam Thomas the Tank Engine and a bit of Julia Donaldson (laughs) and he's happy and of course he watches television but we are really mindful of what he's watching and how often he's watching it and I think that's because I would much rather he's outside in the garden or in the kitchen with me or like today he wanted to clean so I gave him a water spray bottle I mean I regretted it when the kitchen floor was (laughs) and um, I'm not like this isn't a pious thing I'm not getting this right but it's part of my desire 
to be realigning with a slow and simple life is how can I protect his mental health? Because I think our generation have been hit really hard by the rise of digital um, because there's no manual for it. And it's it was always, you know, it was moving faster than safeguarding could keep up. It was moving faster than schools and parents could keep up. And I think we're starting to be much more mindful about what children have access to, but that's in response to a generation of really dodgy um kind of digital you know kind of interaction so I think that we have such a huge responsibility to try and protect their brains and and that for me is a real force a driving force for wanting to work out how we balance everything at home yeah so I'm 38 so just a little bit older than you and the same you know like if you think about like our childhood was like you know technology free I mean I remember when I was we got internet when I was 16 I think and we had dial up you know and like nobody else could call because <laughs> he just got the engaged tone you know like that was in that was amazing to me um and then you know I didn't get a, I didn't get a phone till I was I think I was 16 when I got a phone but it was you know like a very basic phone and I remember I saved up and got it myself and then I paid for the credit to go on it and, you know, like now we have, you know, like these little computers at our fingertips and, you know, I just, I, I, you know, I just can't imagine like everything has gone so fast mm-hmm. and, you know, like, so, you know, my previous career was in social media. So like, I'm very acutely aware, even through things like running my blog now, doing this podcast, I am acutely aware of how much time I spend doing social media related tasks Mm -hmm. and even though I consider it like somewhat of a job in terms of like you know doing the podcast getting it done and getting it out and and everything I you know yeah I'm I'm really aware of how much so goes into that but then how much I'm spending you know with like blue light in my face (laughs) all the time you know we're we're the same you know I'm not going to say my children don't have screen time because they absolutely do and they you know they're not feeling that great today and so it was it was a cartoons for most of the day day Mm -hmm. today um but you know same you know just try and get them outside and in nature you know they love being outside they love nothing more than digging a hole or you know pulling out my flowers (laughs) things like that come to come to the allotment and then they show me so that I look what I've just pulled up and I'm like oh I just planted that (laughs) I found Edward digging over the top of the potatoes the other day (laughs) so I know when we were discussing this episode we both noted that we approach slow living from a different place you're a successful business owner and I've largely paused my career to be home and home educate my children um, but I think it's really important to discuss how both are incredibly valid options and neither is a barrier to entry when it comes to slowing down and I know the listeners of this podcast they often hear what slow living looks like from my perspective so voices like yours are also powerful to show you know that you can have a career and it doesn't mean you can't slow down and enjoy your career at the same time so how would you say you approach slowing down in terms of your career and everything that surrounds that it's such a good question and I think you know so like I admitted earlier I think um it hasn't quite been in the right place recently it's been all a bit hectic um 
but I do have some kind of intentions around it. And and I think um, the education piece is really interesting as well. Um, you know, what are we going to do uh, around educating? We've got one son at the moment. He's three. So this autumn will be at that kind of school place discussion. And, you know, what does that look like? And I really, really admire um, the fact that you've taken that decision to home educate because I think there's so much value in that. And um, I really love the Scandinavian system of, you know, it being um a much later decision <laughs> um because they just look so small at, at four <laughs> going into school um so I think we've we haven't made any hard decisions yet about school but I think it's likely that he'll be traditionally educated in some form although we have started to look at like what alternative provisions there are around here as well um unfortunately we don't have like a Waldorf Steiner school or something lovely like that which would be my dream would be to have that <laughs> yeah and I think the nearest one is the new forest which is a little bit of a drive away um it could still be a consideration it's just then you're gonna add in quite a hefty commute each way um which there has to be a kind of consideration whether that's the right thing as well um I think you know I grew up in a village where I went to the village school and I've got really fond memories of the independence of walking to school and of spending time with my friends after school and and um, we were very, very lucky with that little school. You know, it was very dreamy in lots and lots of ways. And I recognise that the school system 30 years later is not quite the same anymore. <laughs> um, but we will be making like a real concerted effort to find the right school for Edward. And um, that might not be our, it's probably not going to be our catchment school, for example. Um, and And I think, you know, we are in the position of knowing what we want his environment to look like and his education to look like um and if we can find something that feels right for us in the traditional school sector then that will that will probably be the route we take um but knowing that that is to enable me to carry on working I suppose and which gives us other things as a family so I guess there's kind of some compromises here like we have a dream of um probably in the first um kind of primary phase of his education taking potentially taking some extended time away as a family um educating him on the road potentially doing some kind of trip like that and that will be facilitated by the fact that because I'm working we have the financial freedom to do that yeah. so I think um you know I think there are ups and downs with this whole journey aren't there and um I'm really aware of the failings of our school system um and I was talking to my mum about this, who's very wise. <laughs> and um, mums are. <laughs> mums are. Um, and she said, you know, I think it's been it's been something that I talk to her often about it, all sorts of different things in motherhood. You know, they're kind of like, am I making the right decision? Is this the right thing for my child? I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. And she always says to me, you know, the fact that you're worrying about it and the fact that you're aware of like the pros and cons means you're gonna be working twice as hard to overcome them. And for some people that looks like your decision to say, actually for this period, I, you know, I don't have any good options around me and I'm gonna pause and and we're gonna home educate, which is amazing. And I think we're one of the reasons we live where we do is because we actually sought out, we looked at the schools before we looked at the, the house so we kind of sought out somewhere where we would have some really good options both state and independent and we hadn't made a decision at that point where he would go but we knew that we would need lots of options around us so I guess um 
whilst that's still a question to be answered, I think we're probably leaning more towards him starting school in a primary close to us, although not our catchment one, one that we've kind of identified as close to our values and our ethos and and we'll see how it goes but we have got a very big like we will be seeing how this goes and if we don't feel it's the right environment for his learning then we'll definitely be revisiting that conversation and I think in the meantime being able to work in the way that I do yeah it's quite full-on and I'm definitely not living the slowest life in terms of my career at the moment but that is a conscious decision because of the opportunities we feel like it's going to give us as a family. So my husband works full time and I work full time hours, but not in a traditional nine to five. Um, I have um, four days of childcare, um, which is a lot. So I have a day. He has a day with my mother in law, which is just wonderful. Two days at nursery, which are long days. And then um, one and a half days at preschool which is a lovely little preschool place to us that's just as close to home education as you can possibly get it's delightful and I actually wish that we could use that more fully um so we might look at doing that and so that is quite a lot of childcare. and he's um I'm really conscious that he's very tired and that that isn't a very slow pace of education for him at the moment and he's only three so um none of those settings are obviously educating him in a formal lesson structure it's all very much learning through play but I can see how tired he is and I can see that it's not at his pace so what I'm really trying to do is balance the rest of our time to be really around him and what he wants and one of my big learning points recently has been that um why do we need to to do that so I don't know about you but like I often have a plan for the day in my head like this is what I want to do and the weekends come around I'm like right I want to do x y and z today and then you start trying to pull like the poor child into your plan and I'm like do you know what four days of the week you're being you're you're actually um being looked after by someone else in order to facilitate my plan around my career so the least I can do is make sure that the time we have together that's not work is led by you Um, because I think that that has to be the balance and I think further down the line in a year's time when he will be about to start school if that's still the route we take that's going to be even more important that kind of time that balances out you know I think one of the things I'm really keen on is that he gets to explore his special interest areas fully um yeah I haven't really got all the answers on that but I think that I'm recognizing at the moment with the amount of work we've got to do to the house and um you know that that we need my income to do that and so there is a bit of a compromise at the moment around building the home that we want um and working to facilitate that but also because it is my company it's like it's an investment for our future as well and I also have other people's mortgages to pay because I have a staff team so it's not as simple as just being like see you later yeah (laughs) um because that puts other people in a really awkward position and um I have got a business plan that um you know in the next over the next few years reduces the amount of hours that I'm spending the business and um that's aligning like to other goals that we have as a family so I suppose I would just really want to encourage people that it, it's, you know, it's, um, it is a privilege to be able to give up your career to home educate. And we are really privileged that 
it has been a consideration for us as well and I suppose at the moment slightly selfishly and I'm really happy to put my hands up on that from my husband and I we're saying we value the income that I'm bringing in into what it's giving our family um but it's a constant compromise that I wrestle with around like what does protecting my child from some of the things that we don't want him to be exposed to how does that work when we get into schooling um and you know potentially is it a case that we pay to provide him with an education that is different from what state sector offer so that's a consideration but yeah as you can tell that's a really long answer to a very short question I'm really wrestling with it Um, and I think the biggest compromise for me at the moment is you know that the time that we have together is well spent like that's what I need to make sure it's really well spent and um trying to encourage him in his interests and and also whilst also kind of resourcing my own time off has got to be restorative hasn't it as well when you're not at work so I haven't got all the answers (laughs) I don't I don't think we do and like you said like you know you brought up a really important point you know it's it's home educating the children you know from from my perspective you know it's it is a privilege and we're privileged that we have um that one sole income that is enough to do that and then at the same time it's a sacrifice you know I have to sacrifice my career um to be able to stay home with them and you know it's it's a very personalized and individual choice isn't it and I do little bits like I do dip in and out because for me as well like I find a lot of joy in the things I've done um and the things you know I hope to do and I that that time is that for myself having something that's just me where I'm not like Amy the wife or Amy the mum is really important and so I do you know I do enjoy like dabbling little bits here and there but it can't be for our current plans it can't be a full-time option Mm. and you know I don't have all the answers either but I think that makes a really good point because when at the end of my maternity leave with Edward um I was really struggling with and I think my mental health wasn't brilliant at that point um partly because we were a year into lockdown as well as a year into parenting and it just had not been the maternity leave I'd expected and you know we've talked briefly about like some of the breastfeeding kind of trauma that I'd experienced and there had just been a lot in that year it had been a lot and um I found comfort and actually escape in going back to work and initially and I was going back to work in my own company but going back to work a couple of days a week gave me that time to feel like me again and I think that I do really love what I do and that is a huge privilege and I I get that I have flexibility that I wouldn't have if I was in a traditional employed job so I think that does help me with balancing the slow living aspect but I do think at the moment there is something in there where I am I feel like I can for me personally I feel like balancing work and being mum I am happier and I think like I'm really surprised that I'm saying that because if you'd have asked me a few years ago I would have said the dream would have been to be at home full-time with my children um but it's funny what happens when you're in it 
really in it. Um, so I think that's a really interesting point that you say, you know, actually you still need those elements that are testing your brain in a different way and, you know, doing the podcast and doing your blog and like the other bits of work that you do that gives you time. That's like, this is me. Yeah. Um, I certainly find that in my work and um, when I've got a good balance and I think we're just getting back into that now in these few weeks, the last few weeks, um, things have shifted slightly. It's that time to step away. Today I picked Edward up from nursery on the bike. So I cycled over, picked him up. It was a gorgeous evening. We cycled to the park. We had an ice cream. We played in the park way too late. <laughs> um, but it was really precious. And I guess it's like, it was a why not? Why do why do we have to go straight home? You know why do we? And, um, so yeah, I think it's that. It, I think it is like quite brave as a woman to say this is actually what I want. I'm not going to do what society expects of me. Um, and I think that's really brave, and it's something I really value. And I, whilst I might look, because it's actually interesting, I have people roll their eyes that I've gone back to work as much as I have people who would probably roll their eyes if I didn't go back to work so I don't think you can win oh I don't think you can <laughs> I don't think you can <laughs> I, I really I think it just has to be like how how are you the best version of you how can you be the best version of you for your children and for your husband but also for yourself yeah. because ultimately you know parenting is a long game mm. um and I think putting your point earlier of like things change as well. So you can only do the best that you can do today um, for your children. And if that's being at home full time or if that's balancing work and parenting, then like, great, you do the best job you can do that day. Um, and sometimes that means a bit more time as a tank engine than we would like <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, th I think you're right. I don't think we can, I don't think we can win. It's like sometimes, you know, if um, people say to me like, oh, is, is your daughter starting school this year? Because she would be due to start in September. And I'm like, no, I'm going to home educate her. And everybody looks at me like, you're crazy. <laughs> and it's like, I might, might be, I might be a little crazy. <laughs> Who knows? Um, we'll the gift you're giving her in that space even if it's for two years even if you know it might be for 15 years you just don't know and we um are really fortunate to be um there are lots of friends that we know who home educate so um there's a family in particular that I uh, used to nanny for who um kind of we used to sort of I say nanny it wasn't like a full-time nanny position I used to go and help them in the holidays and things like that and um they live in the middle of Wales in the town that I grew up in and they have this incredible um you know little like hideaway homestead in the middle of the Welsh hills and it's dreamy and they home educated and interestingly the mum was a primary school teacher and her her eldest daughter started primary school at her primary school and she pulled out Isabella um and and stopped teaching and went home and, and home educated and then home educated the other girls that they had as well and um the eldest went to a um, traditional sixth form and the youngest went to one of the um, Atlantic colleges, I think they're called. Um, and then the youngest is still being home educated and they've kind of dipped in and out of different types of education and it's worked beautifully for them. And then 
the eldest went to traditional university, the second is at university at the moment. And um, and I can hugely see the benefits to their kind of sort of, in, you know, the, the way that they've learned and the, the way their special interests were kind of encouraged. And I just, I think I said to my husband and, you know, I said it like, all we can do is like look at the child we have at the time and say, what's best for you this year? And if that means taking a year out and home educating and, and you know, or moving to a different provision, type of provision or blending somehow, like there are different ways that we're going to look at taking it. But I think at the moment, like I said, we're sort of leaning towards the him for the first um initially starting at the local primary school well not our catchment the one the next one over <laughs> yeah and I think sometimes you know when it comes to like talking about slow living like I think people think like you you know it, it's I don't know you take a look on Instagram and everyone's like knitting and homemaking and you know home educating and it's just not the choice for everyone and I think sometimes then that makes people feel like they have to sort of adhere to this like certain like tick boxes like oh you go to work so you're not homemaking so you know when we're all homemakers right we're all doing it whether we have to work or not oh exactly that and I really think um it's not all or nothing and you know um I follow some amazing accounts where especially um, American homesteaders who have like literally milking their cow in the morning and um, I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's like my kind of little house on the prairie dream. Um, But right now, the best I can do for my family is get the milk delivered from the farm, which is a mile away. Like that's my version of having my own cow in my back garden. I'm not buying it without you know from a supermarket but that's what our version is and you know like we talked about sourdough you know I love baking bread but the best I can do right now is perhaps potentially just pick a brand that has less junk in it and yeah. that um and it's just I think just it's not all or nothing and and for me like I said earlier that it's that soul kind of what makes your soul happy and slowing right down for me means lots of different things and it might mean being in the kitchen for a day batch cooking so that I know we've got quick meals that are made from scratch in the freezer for the faster days (laughs) where I still want a bit of slow in there um it might mean saying okay my son's going to go to school but here's what we're going to do around that to rebalance the, the kind of you know the scales on what he's exposed to and how he is encouraged and how we're living as a family and yeah I just I do think and I think social media whether we're not we're talking of slow living or like any other theme social media is everybody's highlights reel um you know and and it'll be like the most perfect that their life can look and but we forget that (laughs) yeah I do you know I often have people say to me like oh your life just looks like really calm and I'm like but it is calm on Instagram. Like, I don't know how I could portray the crazy, like craziness. Like, I have two children that are, you know, four and two. There's no way that my life is calm. <laughs> no, like, I don't think any mother in history has had a calm toddler. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah, I have, I made a conscious decision a long time ago that I wouldn't share the ins and outs of my children's life too much. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I, and I constantly battle with, you know, when I get a comment like, oh, but your life looks so calm and tranquil. And it's like, you know, 
yes, because I'm I, I've made a decision for my children not to share their struggles and things like that. So of course it looks very tranquil, but you know, behind the scenes, like my hair is like ah <laughs> and that's really important. I mean, you and I do the same thing. We don't put our children's faces on public um social media. And I also don't put a photo of him having a tantrum on the floor. Um yeah. And there will be, you know, and I've been posting less recently because I've been really battling with that whole, like, what do I share? Mm. And wanting to share beautiful moments, things that are making me happy, but also being really aware that effectively I'm just sharing a lot of, like, pretty flowers (laughs) (laughs) and baking. Um, And um, I think that is something to wrestle with, you know, the kind of, if you're doing something, if you're selecting family values, and you value protecting your child from certain elements of society and culture, how does that marry up with what you're putting on social media? And so I think you and I are quite similar in the fact that we recognize that that has to also reflect the values that we have for our families. And um, it doesn't, for me, it certainly doesn't mean putting everything on social media. And it does then mean you get a very curated. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not intentional to make it seem like everything is just like hunky-dory and we're having like you know this fantastic homemaking home educating life but just Mm -hmm. that I don't want my children to have um, a digital footprint before it's something that they can consent to I would just rather have them you know as just live their life like like I lived mine and you probably lived yours you know we didn't have our life documented for us I don't want my children to show up on the internet at 16 years old and be like that I've created this personality for them and they don't get to decide who they are yeah it's such an important point and I do think even looking back at you know when I was first exposed to social media we're like my space when I was at secondary school and then Facebook as I went off to university so I was about 18 I think I wasn't old enough to make this yeah (laughs) I look back at some of the things that you know you're sharing on Instagram it wasn't Instagram then but Facebook and you're like oh gosh that that should be the public so I do think looking back on it now you know one would argue you're not even old enough when you're a teenager and that's going to be a whole other battle where we get to kind of the time where they want phones and things like that but for now all you can do is your best well gardening and just you know having our hands in the soil in fact before we were recording we were talking about our plants um, <laughs> and I always love to see what you're up to in the in the garden on Instagram um but for me gardening is about two things I guess like providing for our family and being more sustainable is something since we got our allotment um, but also it's a massive joy for me as well and I notice how much more like rested and relaxed and I just feel better mentally when I've been gardening. Like last year, I went through a period of quite bad health anxiety. And even my husband, when I came home, he was like, you're a different person, like having been to the allotment. So how do you find gardening fits into like embracing a simple life? Um, and what does it look like? Oh, everything you've just said, I totally echo. I think um, it's integral for me, I think, because... I'm very fortunate we've got a garden here. I can step away from my desk um, because I work 
from home, unless I'm on a client visit, I can step away from my desk and just have 15 minutes of like pottering around my plants. And I feel myself unwind whilst I do that. And this time of year is my favorite because um, it's light enough to go back out after toddler bedtime yeah. and just spend a couple of hours. And I, it happens without me even realizing it. I'll say to my husband, I'm just going out for half an hour. And three hours later, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I can't see anything anymore. It's dark out here. Yeah. Um, and it does, I, I think because you're doing something it's the other very similar to how I enjoy sewing and making and baking and cooking I think my brain is busy when my hands are busy yeah so I can't think much else about what else might be bothering me apart from what's in front of me and I love the simplicity of being rooted in a seed some water some heat some soil and you have fruit and vegetables like it's incredible or beautiful flowers and nature is so resilient and I just find myself um really leaning into it as a way of relaxing and oh my gosh there's so much to do I will never be on top of the garden (laughs) um (laughs) never um and sometimes it doesn't work because I'm just making up as I go along and you know we're fortunate to have a vegetable patch as well and and I have and in fact it's one of the things that I really think helps me to slow down with Edward is he loves gardening um I have to check myself though because I'm now like no not like that no not like that <laughs> I'm like okay like that's fine dig that seedling up if you want to dig that seedling up it's annoying I'd really love you to so I find him jobs to do and he loves it he loves helping in the garden and what was lovely last year was it was the first harvest where he really got it Mm -hmm. he he was two and a half and he suddenly connected the dots he remembered planting the carrot seeds he remembered planting the the potatoes and there we were pulling them up going inside cooking that food and it was like 20 minutes until we were eating it and I just thought this is magic he gets it he's really connected to the food that we're growing um but he also just we're better people outside yeah (laughs) he's just happier we're both happier if we're outside and just pottering around with each other so again like I do know it's um before we lived here we didn't have a garden at all we had um we, we didn't we had a couple of pots on the balcony um nothing as amazing as you're managing to do on your balcony but um this was the biggest thing when we moved here I just went oh my gosh we have our own garden this is so exciting and um being able to spend time out in it is I think really the center point of kind of slowing down for me um also because I have really fond memories my granny was an incredible gardener and I know you have an amazing gardener and your granddad like I love remembering the things she's taught me um and for me, like slow living is a lot about generational knowledge sharing. Um, I love traditional methods to things, whether that's cooking or sewing or cleaning or, you know, and I think sometimes we do, you know, rose tinted glasses back to simpler times. I think that is natural because we're in such a busy world. Um, and of course, there are things that we have now that I would never swap my washing machine <laughs> Yes, <laughs> my dishwasher is very popular but I do think that there's no point reinventing the wheel and when we can pass down skills to our children whether that's bread making or gardening or sewing or fixing things and DIY like that's a really important thing to do and 
I really fondly remember the time that my granny, particularly because I was very close to her, was doing that. I didn't realise she was doing that at the time, but she was. And my parents are the same. You know, they um, spent time at the weekends to teach us things. Um, and, and I want that for my son. And I, that only happens if we slow down enough to allow the time to teach and share. And for me, it definitely starts in the garden. Um, we were talking, she said, mommy, look at that big pigeon. And he pointed to a magpie. <laughs> That's a really long tail. I said, oh, it's called a magpie. And then he's like, well, what's it doing? And he loves finding worms in the soil. You know, oh, we've got to leave these here. He says, they're good for the soil. And you just realise how much they're soaking up all the time. So, yeah, like it's my therapy being in the garden. Definitely my mental health um, and physical health. You know, it's good for you, isn't it? Definitely something to do with our sustainability as a family. Um as much as we can't have livestock at the moment we can have <laughs> vegetables and then there's definitely something in there about just the fact that it forces you to slow down you have to be patient with gardening don't you you know yes you yeah. kind of have to give it what it needs give it patience and and then wait and see what happens and I think that in a world where we're so on demand everything's on demand um you know Amazon same day deliveries and all yeah. this kind of thing that it's quite a helpful lesson <laughs> yeah have. um and yeah and that kind of like generational knowledge sharing as well I think if you don't if we don't work the the land if we don't look after it and if we don't know how to keep our soil healthy we're in trouble um and I mean I'm a scientist by training so the amount of reading I do around soil health and its relationship with nutritious food and we've talked about this briefly before and like it's scary yeah how important soil good soil health is to the nutrition of the food that grows in it yeah. so yeah for me it's definitely like a holistic thing it's not just that I like having a nice garden um because otherwise you know I think we would be taking a simpler route yeah. <laughs> it's like we spoke earlier before you hit record and I was saying about um the bad gardener in me this year of I just haven't had time to plant things out and now things need to be planted out urgently and they're out far out growing their pots and they haven't been hardened off and they were chucked in the ground last night and basically I said a prayer over them good <laughs> luck this is what I did with my tomato yeah. <laughs> My dwarf beans were looking at me like, you know, we hate the cold. And I was like, yep, sorry, no time for handing <laughs> off. You're out here. You'll be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and hey, you know, there's always a few more weeks in the growing season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my tomatoes, I took them out of the greenhouse and planted them straight into the ground. And I was, <laughs> well, I planted them with some marigolds um, for like good companion planting. And then I was like, right, well, good luck <laughs> I will see you in a few days hold on in there <laughs> and they they're fine so I don't know I don't know that we need to do all this hardening off <laughs> no exactly it's just a lot of faff and yeah. um you know uh, some of those days which aren't that slow in our lives um we've just about got enough time to feed ourselves let alone faff with taking plants in and out of the yeah. And one of the loveliest things last year that we went to was um, our effectively our local village show. And I entered <laughs> entered um, some of my fruit and vegetables oh, into the show for the first time. <laughs> and it was for me, it was one of those days where I was just 
I was just so happy. I'd picked a few bits and pieces. I'd, you know, had no idea what I was doing. I entered them, followed the rules to make sure they're on the right size plates and all this kind of thing. Drove over in the morning, entered them with like a little thing of flowers that I'd done as well. And the flowers would all come from the garden. And I just said to myself, I was like, this makes me so happy. This is kind of, for me, just being able to take part in things like this, which have been done in English, so English, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not like village show where you have your fruit, veg, and flower show, and um, I won categories, which was just so exciting. I got a little like. <laughs> I mean, okay, I will admit that I think I was the only person who submitted chilies, but I won the category. <laughs> like my chilies had won. I think my carrots came second. My tomatoes. Had won. I was just. I was so like so simple like simple happiness that day it was just so fun and um we were saying to each other the other day my husband's like what are you going to do this year what are you going to put in and I said do you know the joy of it is you have no idea if you're going to grow anything worth putting into a flower show or a vegetable show and I said I'll literally decide like a few days before yeah that's I think that's one of the things about like gardening isn't it I mean my greenhouse this is the first year I've had a greenhouse and um you know it was absolutely brimming with stuff at one point now things are like you know being chucked out I'm like right guys you're out of here unless you're like a a real warm weather like yeah my peppers are still in there my aubergines are still in there but anybody else is sort of eviction notice but like I'm sure everyone can tell how much we love gardening <laughs> yes sorry we've gone off on a proper tangent now <laughs> um but you know it kind of leads nicely into like you know we you you know we use gardening as our sort of way to sort of like decompress and although it's not I wouldn't say it's necessarily restful <laughs> it it does have an element of you know rest to it although it's not like kicking kicking back with your feet up and you know I think around like slow living as well you know there's often this sort of misapprehension isn't there that when you live slowly you're just all like chilled out and you know there's you know you're just relaxed and, and everything and I know sort of like in well definitely this past winter I really like struggled just to find any sort of inspiration for anything um probably because of the weather um so how do you prioritize rest and slowing down in you know what is a crazy busy world I if you ask my husband this he will tell you I don't (laughs) I think I think it's that realization isn't it and I'm getting better at this and I think the the way that I'm having to get better at it is because it nearly broke me actually last this well last winter as well very similarly I just um was burnt out and I was just making myself sick and I think that that's not sustainable and it's not teaching my son good habits it's not giving anybody my best and it's certainly not giving like the two people that deserve the best of me which is you know my husband and my son and they end up getting the brunt of me yeah not the best of me so I think um you know I I think it has to be conscious I think that's probably the the biggest thing is that it's that recognition that no one else can do this for you and that's been my big learning curve like there will always be something else that I can be getting on and doing um there's always another email to send there's always another bit of work to be done but that's just not sustainable and 
the balance won't come because I think we live in a society where there's always going to be something else somebody can take from you but you're the only person that is going to be able to say I have to now fill my cup back up um and for me definitely like the things that really fill my cup up are those slow living um things that we can do pottering around the garden um and like you say it's not necessarily slow in terms of it being just one thing that's going to occupy you all day but just for me it means finding the things that I can do from scratch that I can do that really like pour I can pour into that are creative that are wholesome that are kind of life-giving but as I said you know there's always a reason why not to prioritize it and so for me it's that realization has really come this winter because I nearly made myself very sick by not doing it and by trying to do too much and I think as well I'm becoming really cognizant of the way seasonal changes affect us and what we're supposed to be doing spring summer autumn and winter and there are times in the year where there is more energy and more capacity for doing like this time of year and there are times in the year in the winter we're actually meant to be having a a semi kind of you know hibernation period of restoration and you know I think I'm just slowly starting to understand that and that's probably something that we've lost as a culture that understanding you know we've got electric lights we've got the internet we've got all these things that mean that everything's accessible 24 7 and so should we be and I think I'm just learning that and I haven't got it right yet but I'm learning that there is this cycle and rhythm of nature that we are part of as well so I think yeah for me to answer your question it's got to be it's got to come from me um and in then it's got to be things that fill my cup back up and not drain it yeah um, so yeah one I think once you start to sort of realize you know sort of like there are sort of natural ebbs and flows throughout the year and I think once you once you sort of connect to that you realize you know we live in a world where we're expected to be at the same level for the whole you know, 365 days of the year, and it's just not possible. And it's not natural. It's not actually how we were sort of made to be either. No, exactly. And I do a lot of reading around um, how other cultures live. And, um, you know, as you know, like I'm a a real fan of attachment parenting and co-sleeping and breastfeeding. And it's very unnatural for many cultures to not sleep with their child um and so it's like that realization that there are so many things to learn from people all over the world and just because something is done typically here doesn't mean that it's the thing that is necessarily going to feed you and it might be a drain um but there are other routines and other things you can learn that might actually serve you better well Becky it's been wonderful to have you on the podcast and share with us all the ways that you and your family embrace slow living and like I said earlier it's really important you know to hear from so many different voices about slow living and how it just looks different for everyone so um just tell us where can listeners connect with you online thanks so much for having me it's been such a joy um I'm at our nurtured life on instagram and ournaturedlife.co.uk excellent well thank you ever so much for coming it's been wonderful to have you
Thanks so much, Amy. It's been a great chance to chat. Oh my goodness, what an absolutely amazing chat with Becky. We could have talked all night long and we actually did. <laughs> we actually did. But, you know, it just goes to show that there are so many different ways that you can embrace living a slow and simple life. It is not just this one size fits all. You don't have to do everything that Instagram tells you is slow and simple living. You can absolutely just tailor it to what feels right for you and I think that's just the wonderful thing about slow living so thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode you can follow me over on Instagram my username is at life on plot 44 or you can follow me on my blog which is the slow living collective.com thank you again so much for listening to today's episode and I will catch you all in the next one <laughs>